0: Uh, Hello, welcome to Truck Stop Murder and Chakram Podcast and with me again for the third time, not in a row, but hopefully in the future we'll hear more of her, is introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Ariel Cooksey from Malice.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I'm so glad to have her And I got to tell, she just told me that she's never heard of this. Well, before we start, if you never heard of Malice or stop Murder, or if you have thank you you need to go over there and listen to her but also rate review on apple itunes it helps us Absolutely. grow this is something because if we, i mean we need to grow and with you guys listening that's how it helps i mean not just listen but them rate reviews help a lot it doesn't matter what you say but just five stars yep so and like i said thank you for joining me and this case is this is Alva a normal case we this is the second one i did out of the norm I don't know if mm-hmm. you listen, remember the one I did in Iraq.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, no, Iran. I did one in Iran. Yeah. I heard that on Morning Cup of Murder. Have you ever heard of that podcast?
1: I have.
0: I think I got heard it from you. I don't know where I got it from, but I've been really binging on it. And they have a lot of good shorts. I'm going to give a promo for that right now. If you have a second. It's sure. um Morning Cup of murder, It's like a seven-minute podcast who you listen to, which talks about murder that happened that day. So it's seven minutes. They have like 600 episodes. So I think I got like 200 left to listen to. I, I mean, yeah, I just they're good
1: up- though. And real quick.
0: Yeah. I, this is where I got this case from. And what I do is I look for different podcasts with it. This when I saw another promo's True Crime Island. Camo did this. He did mm-hmm. a little short. But the case I'm covering today was from out of Canada. Because mm-hmm. I've never been to camera, I, I never probably will with this company. But with this case, I thought about mid-month Malice have something out of my norm where I go my my route because I've been trying to go in route as I travel. So if I'm in Chicago, then Indianapolis, then Louis, like I'm in Louisville, Kentucky right now and I'll cover this mm-hmm. in order. But with this, I want to go out of, you know, just kind of broaden it. Because with this sure. company, there's a lot of places I would never go. And mm-hmm. this story here, like I said, Tim McLean out of Canada. But let's talk about the truck stop. Is I'm I, I did find a truck stop where this crime did happen. It happened mm-hmm. um, 17 miles east of this place. The crime happened in, and all this information I'm coming from is from Truckers Path. It's a a, a device, mm-hmm. app that tells you for parking, fuel whatnot. But Portage la Prairie, in Canada. In Manitoba, and there's really nothing to say about this truck stop. It's a small truck stop. It's like one of them you've probably seen old movies where you see like horror movies, basically, where it's just like a <laughs> couple of pumps, and then right. some hillbilly on the front porch playing the banjo. You know, bang 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 <laughs> bang bang, bang <laughs> you know, yes, kind of like that, but in Canada, there's really not many reviews for this place. A lot of them are just. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, matter of fact, I'm looking at the picture right now. I can't even, I'm going to try to go Google Earth and try to find, but it's a small truck stop. It only got like 15 parking spots and all the reviews that I do see, it's just talking about the fuel pumps, um, the fuel price, uh. how much the price of fuel is. And they only have like a regular diner in that place. My app just turned off. I ain't worried about it no more. The only review about it was one guy said, if this is a truck stop, then my shit smells like perfume. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's, it's it's a place to park because there's nothing, you know. It's one of them areas where you've been through West Texas, right? right? You know how West Texas yeah. is. As soon as you, oh, yeah. uh, you get, I forget what city that is. As soon as you get there, there's nothing. Then you drive for yeah. hours before nothing. It's like that. So you'd be grateful to just have something. But like I tell you, truck drivers are prima donnas. Bitch about <laughs> they'll Look for anything to bitch about.
1: I mean, at least he was to the point.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is. I, I mean, I find my, and I'm not exempt. I, I find myself bitching, but I can't believe that truck driver just going to hang out the fuel aisle, knowing that people need the fuel too. His fat ass is in there probably taking a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Which they do. But yeah, this case was very interesting. It brought me, I'm glad you're on this one because it goes, covers a lot of things down your aisle alleyway. Like mm-hmm. your mental disorder. I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm not the smartest person, but I do have a kind of understanding of it. But with sure. with some of these monsters, I'm I'm learning, you know, yeah. about schizophrenia, mental mental illness. In fact, this case has actually brought me to like child mental development as well, mm-hmm. which I'm learning stuff all the time through this podcast. But sure. anyhow, let's talk about Tim McLean. He was born on October 3rd, 1985 in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. He grew up in LA, Manitoba, but moved to Winnipeg with his father, Tim Senior, and stepmother, Nadine. So then his parents had broke up, but he was you know, living between them both. People say he was a very active person, really you know, eager to meet people, known, he had known no strangers but never a dull moment around him, always ready to meet new people and go into new and different places. Matter of fact, a lot of people will say when they bring him to, like, picnics, he would know nobody there. We'd give him 15 minutes, he would know everybody. So, of course, being that person, he jumped the opportunity to do what I did. Matter of fact, when I was a teenager as well, he joined a carnival at, at I don't even know what my road Started running his own game. He started running carnival in like Western Canada, Canada, Canada circuit, uh-huh. which is very interesting. Because when I was eighteen, I did join the carnival myself as well. Oh wow! around the, the Chicago area, and uh-huh. you do get to meet a lot of new people. I mean, it was only a summer thing, but you know, it was fun. You know, for a teenager, I would. I mean, if you had responsibilities, I wouldn't do it. You know. Sure. But just go out there and just party, have a good time. in summertime. Collect unemployment during winter time. But yeah, that's what he did. Awesome. And they said he made he made pretty good money out. of you because he was a people person. He was a good heckler as well. He made about a thousand dollars a week. But of course, he spent it as quickly as it earned it. And so, I got um. I've seen my notes. I, since my last <laughs> computer broke, I've I've had to print these notes out instead of having yeah. a new computer. I, f- I find this a lot easier to do. Quite a without- few notes
1: you have there. <laughs> Goodness. If y'all could see this, it's like two stacks of
0: <laughs> paper. There, I probably don't need all this, but I, a lot of them just have like little bits, like sections, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. See, like this one just don't have that much. Oh, sure, sorry. Don't have that much on it. I can but see,
2: yeah.
0: Things on it. So... Maybe. So one day he will be, he, he told his parents, I mean, like I said, outgoing, everything. He said one day he will be famous and everybody will know who he was. So come the today, one day he, while working at Klondike, you know, in Edmonton, next stop was Regina in Canada, where instead of, you know, instead of going there, he decided because during this time he, he visited British Columbia mm-hmm. and decided that he really liked it there, that he wanted to move to British Columbia. Mm-hmm. So what he planned on doing was instead of going to vagina, <laughs> I can, there's my <laughs> mind, see where I'm going with
1: that? I yeah, I was trying to hold it together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what, when I read these notes and I I know this is not your typical, I know you're a more serious one, but I'm more of a, I try to, You know, well, right now I'm trying not to be laughing because, but wait till you get to, sure. wait till this asshole. then you'll have, but Regina, Regina.
1: Regi- huh, I'm we sorry. We should take the we should take the levity where we can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have
1: it's, a bad feeling about this.
0: Yeah. Oh, believe me. Not vagina. It's Regina. But instead of going there, he decided to go to um, or make arrangements. So he instead, while working in Canada, like I said, he wanted to go to Regina. Instead of going to Regina, he decided to go back to Winnipeg to make arrangements to you know with his he went with his dad to go. Make arrangements to go to British Columbia. By this time, he already had a spouse, and I know he had a kid. I don't know if she was pregnant with the kid at the time, but or she already had it. But he was planning on moving to there and then go back to the carnival circuit. In fact, his so, but because the way he was, his friends actually offered him a plane ticket, which would take only a couple hours. But Mm -hmm. being as social as he was, he decided to jump on a greyhound bus instead okay it would have been a lot longer so on july 29th he got on a greyhound bus 1170 which is a 24-hour bus ride to his father's house in winnipeg mm-hmm. so there you go with um tim mcclain now let's talk about another individual okay that's wrapped up in his story it's Vince, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his middle name. It's some he's he's from from China. But a lot of people just call him Vince Lee.
1: I do Re- know recognize this case. story. Yes, yes. Recognize oh, Vince oh, Lee?
0: Uh oh. Uh-oh. So <laughs> <So> <laughs> okay. You know it now. Yeah. yeah. See, okay. Okay. Keep let me, going. No, pause for a second. See, this okay. is why um, I sent you them pictures. And, mm-hmm. and no, this is not you. This is a society altogether about the West Memphis Three, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, when they think of West Memphis Three, they think of Jesse Miss Kelly, you know, mm-hmm. know Damien Echoes and Jason Baldridge. They think of them, but right. nobody ever thinks of Stevie Branch, Michael Moore or Christopher right. Myers. Those were the original. So for years, I used to go by that graveyard many times and I mm-hmm. thought it was kind of flat, but there's no place for a truck. But when I Googled it one time, and I saw the locations like, wait a second, I could probably find that. And there you have found Stevie Branches. So that's the same thing with this. Like you just, I said, Vincent Lee, you're like, I know what that is. Yeah, <laughs> I know oh, who that is. Boy. But when I said Tim McClain, who's Tim McClain?
1: No, I mean, and that's that's one of the reasons that, yeah, we're trying to kind of revamp and recenter victims in the these victim. stories.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And I wish, and even internet, they don't really have too much on the victims. Some do depending on who it was especially if it's a um, young little white girl from Colorado, then all kinds of Vince information. To from- <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, yeah. Vince Lee, he was born in Deng, China on April 30th, 1968 and 1992. Mm-hmm. Lee graduated from University of Muan Institute of Technology with a bachelor's of science in computers. From 1994 to 1998, Lee worked in Beijing as a computer software engineer. Lee immigrated to Canada from China, on june 11 2001 although some newspapers or resi reported 2004 become a canadian citizen november 7 2006 so he worked at a manual jobs and i think i'm saying that right m-e-n-i-a-l manual jobs i mean he never really once he came to canada he never did his jobs on computers he, yeah. did, he worked a lot of different manual jobs like that everything but mm-hmm. he quickly had joined um a memorial, a Grant Memorial Church, where he worked out there too for six months. You know, to help support his wife, which mm-hmm. I don't think his wife really appreciate I guess the ideas of it; they argued all the time. Oh. But yeah. The pastor there, Tom Castor, who employed Lee, said he seemed really happy to have a job and was committed to doing well, despite the language barrier, because you know he was from mm-hmm. you know, even Canada. Have they either speak English or French? Right. So. And what he says, I think he had occasionally felt frustrated with not being able to communicate or understand, he said, but we have a patient staff and he seemed to respond well. Castor also said he did not show any signs of anger issues or any other trouble before he quit in the spring of 2005 where he worked as a forklift driver in Winnipeg while his wife worked as a waitress. So Lee first moved to Edmonton in 2006, abruptly leaving his wife alone in Winnipeg until she joined him later. His job, okay. is, yeah, so a lot of people do that. Matter of fact, I remember when I joined the Army, I joined the Army, went through basic training and then went to Fort Bragg and then, and then my wife came and kind of joined me in Fort Bragg where she stayed here.
1: That makes but, sense, yeah.
0: But that's when his it, it kind of downspire from there because his jobs include services at Walmart at a fast food restaurant Newspaper delivery, his delivery boss Vincent Inger described Lee as reliable. Everybody said he was a reliable and hardworking person.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But with with Walmart, he was fired from with a disagreement with another employee. Shortly being incidentally mm-hmm. asked for time off from his job to go to Winnipeg for a new job interview. So he wanted to leave there, go to a job interview. But he didn't have many friends. Mm-hmm. And was divorced because, like I said, they were arguing a lot. He was divorced in 2006 right. where Lee had been briefly hospitalized in 2003 and 2004 after he picked up uh, Ont- the uh, Ontario Provisional Police who found him, who picked up by Ontario Police who found him walking down the highway following his son, ordered by God to do this. And this is where the schizophrenia Ooh. came in. So he was following the son saying okay. God had found him there. So Lee's former wife said he used to be gone for a long periods of time all the time, took unexplained bus trips and sometimes rambled. He was hospital, of course, he was hospitalized briefly, but never medically attended, he had never had medical attention. And when they did give him medical attention, he never really took his medication at all. So with schizophrenia, I think that's a medication that you have to take all the time. It's, um, definitely, 20. I
1: mean. Yeah, it's it's something that needs to be treated by antipsychotic medication. Um, and, you know, there are varying degrees. Like for instance, if you're on a certain dose of an antipsychotic, that's for schizophrenia. If you half that, typically that's what you take for like bipolar disorder or certain mood disorders. And then at the lowest dose, it usually helps as like a sleep aid. So it's just kind of a scale there. Um, but yeah, it's not something therapy can help, but if you're not in the right frame of mind, we're talking about psychosis. We're not talking right. about somebody who's like feels bummed or is, you know, I mean, and I, I say bummed, I mean people who have I major depression, about. that's a big issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not meaning to discount anybody out there who's dealing with that, but it's, it's, they're literally not in the right state of mind. We're talking right. somebody who is potentially hallucinating, potentially having um, auditory hallucinations. A lot of the time they have paranoid, um, symptoms. right? Because he was
0: hearing voices in his head saying, God told him to follow the mm-hmm. sun. So yeah, right. Which, and whoops. I mean, the no, I'll go ahead. That? You will see more of that in the future. That's all I was going to say.
1: <laughs> sure. No, it's fine. Um, auditory hallucinations are a lot more common than visual hallucinations. So, um, you know, like if you've watched the movie, A Beautiful Mind, right? With Russell Crowe. So. Um, so. He's playing uh, John Nash, who is a uh, Nobel Prize winning economist. And also suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. And in that movie, we see a lot of people talking to him that we figure out towards the end aren't really there. They're figments of his imagination. That's not the commonplace with schizophrenia. But yeah, it definitely involves medical intervention in most, if not all cases.
0: Okay. I'm sorry. I turned the stupid phone off and I can't. I need to get me a new phone. There it goes. Whatever.
1: But yeah, (laughs) the magic of editing.
0: No, this is, you you get, here's my saying on these podcasts. I mean, I I forgot to warn you about this. Since I'm a truck driver, I work 14 hours. My statement is, I'm sorry, I can't really edit. I don't have time to do stuff. So you get what you get. If you don't like it, then you can get. That's how it is. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? I like the preformed conversation. You let us know that we're not perfect. We're humans. But yeah, Absolutely. so but before he left, he used to go on these trips, and one moment in time he said, "He goes, I'm gone. Don't look for me. I wish you were happy." So he knew his wife wasn't really into it, right? So at midnight, June twenty eighth, Edmonton uh, boarded a he Lee boarded a Greyhound bus to Winnipeg. Now this was mm-hmm. a day after Tim McClain loaded loaded the bus. So I said twenty eighth. So on joint. My notes are messed up. On July 29th, around 6 p.m., Lee got off the bus in Erickson, Manitoba, where it was not his mm-hmm. spot. That that's not. the Bus driver tried to stop, try to stop him there. Mm-hmm. he left with three pieces of luggage, and stayed at mm-hmm. night on a bench next to a grocery store, according to one witness, where he was uh. seen at 3 a.m. sitting straight upright with his eyes wide open, It's kind of like a zombie, just sit there. Uh, so they saw him that night. And that's where he stayed all night, mm. just sitting there. So mm-hmm. on the morning of July 30th, still on the bench. He just, now he had a sign that says, brand new laptop, computer, $600. where At the grocery store, or best offer. Where a boy across mm. the street saw that, and he said, I don't have the $600, I'll have a 60 So that's when he said, okay, I'll take it. So the laptop, you know, he sold the laptop, so... This oh. is when, so he said that yeah, he sold the laptop for $660, but we'll get, oh. remind, remind me of that. We'll get back to that. So he yeah. sold the laptop and then the bus, the Tim McClain came on. And this mm-hmm. is where these two people meet up where, so 1170. when So when he first got on the bus, he sat on the front of the bus at first. Right. So, and then after a short, they had a short cigarette break. And Then, when he got back on the bus, a lot of people you know said that he seemed kind of strange six foot tall, uh, Chinese. He had sunglasses on, you know, kind of like, like the spooky skinhead thing. And he would just not say mm-hmm. nothing to nobody, but nobody thought he was harmless, didn't think nothing of him, would leave him sure. alone. You know, typical people you'll see on a Greyhound bus, I mean.
1: sure, right?
0: So, after a quick cigarette play corner, he had got up and started going back towards the bus. Tim McClain, by the way. Where he was sitting at was in the back uh, back of the uh, one seat by the bathroom on the left-hand side. So when he ended up leaving after cigarette break, he decided he didn't want to sit there and walk down the aisle and saw The seat next to Tim. Tim was next to the window, you know, listening to his headphones, and then he just said nothing to him. And he sat next to Tim McLean at the time, and he didn't think nothing, smiled at him, then laid his head back to the window and went to sleep. Mm-hmm. So, according to witness, witnesses, McClain was sleeping with his headphones on when shit went crazy. When Vince mm-hmm. Lee, Sully produced a large knife and began stabbing McClain in the neck and chest. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, witnesses said that the person in front of him heard like a loud screeching noise, you know, screaming noise, looked back, and that's when he was crazy just stabbing him in the neck and the chest. Tim tried to fight back and jump over the seat to escape, but because of the size of difference, Tim McClain was not a small guy. He was like about my size. I think he was like 5'7", yeah. 145 pounds. So he wasn't mm-hmm. big. And like I said, Vince you know, Lee was like six foot two, I think mm-hmm. it was, and like 250 pounds. So he was a big guy, so he wasn't able to, and fell between the seats where he was able to get on top of him and start stabbing him. Mm-hmm. You know, just unprovoked attack. You know, like I said, he, one minute, this young man is trying to start his new life, sitting there sleeping. Next thing you know, he's getting slapped, you know, stabbed in the throat. The driver and two other men attempted to rescue McClain, but were chased away by Lee, who almost made it out the door by the driver. So the drive, they, they made it out. The driver tried to close the door. And right as they closed the door, Lee was kind of slashing at him. So they closed it. Oh. So hopefully you have a strong stomach. You just ate two, didn't you?
1: I did but Uh-oh. I I kinda know what I kinda know where it's going. This, all right.
0: this went south really quick. So then Lee went yeah. back to where McLean was and beginning to decapitate McLean and display his several head to the passengers, kinda of like holding it up as a trophy, you know, kind of showing them around who had fled the best bus in horror. Lee then went back to, to the body and began server and other body parts is consuming some of McLean's flesh sorry to eat them. <sighs> so the dollar driver also that so by this time lee tried to jump in the driver's seat and try to drive away but the mm-hmm. driver also saw that lee was trying to do this and disabled something in the back so he couldn't go nowhere so kind of disabled right. the transmission or whatnot mm-hmm. and, and a truck driver that was coming by saw what was going on Stop by to assist them, and he has some crowbars and hammers. So while he's in the bus doing what he's doing, they're outside gardening. So he don't go out, get out. So they have crowbars, hammers, but they don't want to go in because right. I mean, since they saw Tim's head, they, they oh. pretty much know there's nothing they could do for him, but they right. can stop him from coming out until the RCMP shows up. Right. So that's what they said. So at eight thirty p.m., the Rory, Royal Royal Canadian Mountie police in Port Port La Prairie, Port La Prairie. Remember that place I was telling you about. Where the truck stops Mm -hmm. at, right there. Manitoba received a report of a stabbing on a Greyhound bus west of the city. They arrived to find the suspect still on the bus, being prevented by escaping from another passenger, bus driver, and truck driver who had provided a crowbar and a hammer as a weapon. The other passengers were huddled on the roadside, some of them crying and vomiting. I can imagine.
2: <laughs> as,
0: yeah, as a suspect in an earlier attempted escape by driving the bus away, of course back to what I was saying, he, he disabled the bus so he couldn't mobilize the system, running the vehicle inoperable. One thing mm-hmm. I didn't know if the lights was on. That's one of the things they never had mentioned you know
1: i don't know yeah
0: yeah so if they made it um, because if it was lights out then you wouldn't be able to see anything
1: but yeah, if the lights on true. you
0: because it was nighttime you ever look in a window from outside and right. you can see everything but if you're yeah. inside out you don't see nothing so that's one thing yeah. i've always wondered about this
1: that is interesting
0: right but i'm guessing lights on because witness observed this you know stabbing and cutting McLean's body and carrying McLean's set. So he's just walking all over the place with his head like it's a trophy. You yeah. know? And people... Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, this is going to be... The following things that's going to happen cause an uproar between the people because they couldn't figure out why couldn't they just intervene. The police. So by 9pm mm-hmm. the police in a standoff with Lee had summoned special negotiators and heavily armed tactical unit. The suspects taunted police, arrogantly pacing the length of the bus, cutting the... Uh, the the Tim, police officers then observed Lee, like I said, eating body parts. Meanwhile, the stranded passengers were transported to the scene, another scene to be interviewed by the RCMP. Reporting that I have to stay on the bus forever. That's what Lee was trying to was screaming at him. I have to stay on the mm-hmm. bus forever. So this is where they people a lot of people get you know get why was you know he's there? Why didn't they just shoot him? Why did not they put tear gas in him? I was watching an interview with somebody and they said, well, why don't you put some, you know, kill them, just go in there, storm them, kill them. But you, of course, you know, Canadian laws, is not like ours, you know, they have right. uh, you know, which is fine because you don't know what's going through someone's mind, you know, right. you just can't storm them with the guns of but that's what they wanted.
1: Sure. I can understand why.
0: Or even I, well, I would say like, in, this was just in, like I said, 2008. But I get that's what they did with the Koresh. And you see what happened with that. <laughs> they went, Absolutely. We're, we're still talking about that. Yep. So July 31st, 2008, like I said, at 1.30 a.m., finally after hours, Lee attempted escape from, you know, the back windows by the bathroom? Yep. Of truck, you know, he tried to escape the, or climb through that window right there where RCMP arrested Lee afterwards. He was tased and handcuffed and placed in the back of the police cruiser. And parts of victims, and here's where it gets crazy. Part of the Tim's body was in plastic bags inside the inside the bus and retrieved from the bus while his ear, nose, tongue were found in Lee's pocket. So there's body parts in his pocket as well. So it was uh. like he saw So, But the victim, Lee's, Tim's eyes and part of his heart were never recovering and presumed that he had ate them. So mm. it's a you know, let's get a little view on this on your site. It's just sure. something like schizophrenia. I mean, would that, have you heard any cases of schizophrenia elevating yes. this kind of?
1: Yes, um, it's not common. I think something to point out before we get into this is people who are diagnosed as mentally ill, including things like schizophrenia are more likely to be victims than perpetrators. Mm -hmm. Um, that said, you know, one that pops to mind for me is Richard Trenton Chase, the vampire of Sacramento. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he basically, for anyone who doesn't know, got to a point where he just walked down the street in a neighborhood and tried doors. And if the doors were open, then he would go in and he would kill the people who were there. And then he basically very Jack the Ripper style would eviscerate the bodies and mutilate them and ultimately drain blood into containers for him to drink.
0: Right, and this was caused by schizophrenia?
1: um, I mean, not entirely caused by schizophrenia, but his reasoning, he tried to appeal his um, death sentence by saying that this was an act of self-defense because his delusions were so serious that he felt it came down to them versus him like he needed the blood to be able to keep living otherwise he was going to die okay so
0: I, matter of fact i think yeah. um time suck did an episode on him and that's what he, he, he was saying that he needed to the blood and that's what you go and hear something about the same kind of you know theory with this guy because when he just there's that note again I turn around. So here's one of the notes. I'm gonna go ahead and read this. I already went because one of the people okay. when they started interviewing people, one of the persons described hearing a blood-curling scream, saying, "You know, I turn around, the guy staring right at me, standing up, stabbing with stabbing another guy with a big Rambo knife." And keep in mind, this is kind of because this is kind of interview, so it's kind of like in Canadian,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right in the throat repeatedly. I got sick, and I, after I saw the head thing. Some people were puking. Some people were crying. Some people were shocked. He just looked at us and dropped the head on the ground just totally. This whole time, he was calm. He wasn't acting crazy or anything like that. And the police mm-hmm. who was at the scene said the attacker also cut apart and put in his pocket. We've covered that. So once he got it out, the first thing he said was, I am guilty. I did it. Please kill me. Yeah. So it's, it's it's almost like he snapped back to reality after it all happened. Right. Of course, like I said, the Canada, I mean the police officer, I guess he thought once he got out they were gonna kill him. Matter of fact, he stated that the first thing he did was, I'm a guilty man, I should be murdered. I guess he realized what he was doing. So during sure. during interviews of him, once they bring him into the police station, by the way, they already took all the people, got him new clothes, interviewed them, everything there. And some of these people, after the situation, their life did not go very well after that. So here's where it gets crazy. Now, here's something I find fascinating. He said God talked to him. This went back to where he was in church, the church that was walking down. He said God talked to him and told him to be leery of aliens and demons. And that he was, it was his job to get rid of these aliens and demons and he was, god's assistance to do this at one point he said and i think i'm gonna name this episode this a son of an evil son of an evil god mm-hmm. you, think, you think that's what he claimed he said he was the evil son of an evil god and he was doing his will and he had once he started so when he got back on the bus he said god told him that the demon that he was looking for was on that bus and mm-hmm. he, pers- he said that was Tim McClain, who was a demon. And then we he sat down, he said, and God told him to kill him while he was sleeping. At the time, he didn't rationalize it was right. He thought that if he didn't kill him, that they were going to kill him. Matter of fact, when mm-hmm. he was back at the bus stop before he got on 1170, he had stated that he was on the bench and a truck slowed by, pulling by him. And he thought mm-hmm. they were going to kill him. So he's worried about people killing him all the time. Right. And so right. that's what he did. And after he started stabbing him, he had to get rid of the body because he believed that he would come back to life and kill him, kind come back to part. So he had to get rid of the body. Sure. So after,
1: and I mean, like I said, it all sounds bizarre, but this made logical sense to him in the time. state of mind he was. Yeah. Mhm.
0: So, but like I said, but right after the murder, he snapped back to reality and said, "I did it. I'm guilty. Please kill me. Seek the death penalty." Uh- and claim to be, like I said, claim to be an evil son of an evil god. So yeah, crazy. But it's just. Go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say it's just there's no winners in this situation.
0: Mm-hmm. And something. And here's where it, you think it got crazy. Then with the murder, it was crazy. But here's when it, mm-hmm. the court issues and what happens in the aftermath of the court hearing. The first time Lee appeared at a hearing at Manitoba Court in the Laporte's prepared without a lawyer, refused to speak to anyone. So he shuffled into the courthouse under weight of heavy leg shackles, and his eyes was focused on the ground. His right hand was heavily bandaged where his visible bruising on his face. The judge asked him twice whether he had a lawyer, but he, he accused just he just stared at the ground when the judge asked him whether Lee was exercising his right to remain silent he nodded yes so the crown asked for a psychiatric assessment where the judge said that Lee accused must be Lee he must have legal aid get a lawyer before proceeding further so that he can just proceed with himself so they want to do an assessment on him Mm -hmm. and then get him a lawyer of course so earlier it's early I think the judge this is what was stated by under the person to the Crown. It's early and I think the judge just wants to respect his right to speak to counsel and he's given him the opportunity to do so. And I don't think it it will be very long before they allow him to do that. So, but what Lee is facing is second degree murder um, under the criminal code and generally unpremeditated murder first, well, here's where he's, that's what he's doing. So, but since it's unpremeditated murder First-degree murder refers to killing that is planned and deliberate, but also when death is caused by sexual assault, kidnapping, forcible confinement, or hijacking of an airplane. That's Canadian laws, right there. You're probably familiar with that. About the different, mm. you know, second
1: to they, some extent, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Then you know to how Texas is with that. I mean, if it feels pretty. A lot of times, <laughs> well, I mean, if there, as long as there's no aggravating circumstances to murder, mm-hmm. like rape, robbery or premeditation or heinous and cruel, which I'm learning doing this podcast, then mm-hmm. usually it goes to second degree murder, depending on the right. degree of it, manslaughter.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Am I correct? And Canada's the same way, but Canada don't have the death penalty. That's the only thing difference. Right. And I thought about going into what, how they do different things, but we'll be here forever. Canadians, <laughs> you know, the different laws, yeah. and everything I printed, I was like, oh, this is crazy. There are so many differences between, you know, the Canadian laws and United States law. Mm-hmm. So Lee's trial commenced on March 3rd, 2009, with Lee pleading not criminally responsible. This not criminally responsible. This means that he accepted that the offense occurred, but he claimed that he was unable to form the necessary mental element or means. To, you know, that he knew what he was doing, despite Lee having no documented history of mental He never had no documented, but before he testified to a psychiatrist, diagnosed, he, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, like I said. And the preceding judge, of course, the, with all that being said and premeditation and history of the schizophrenia, like I said, nothing serious. The mm. judge, the preceding judge, accepted a diagnosis of that Mm -hmm. which is crazy and rude that lee was not criminally responsible for the murder so lee was remembered to the mental institution the selkirk mental health century though he had not fully emerged from the psychotic phase the psychiatrist said that lee was beginning to realize what he had done though he cannot accept what he he cannibalized cannibalized them i'm sorry i'm much (laughs) into my notes so see so there's he got off on it you know what i was looking at i'm gonna say this on uh, mental you know but the percentage of people who get off on mental you know in the united states on this is it's so small
1: it's minuscule i mean the the thing is and people look at somebody who is psychotic like richard chase or like mm-hmm. Vince lee you know um and they say well they weren't in their right mind however i mean you can look at somebody like chase who had this idea in his mind he went looking for blood Mm
0: -hmm. he knew what
1: he was doing and he knew it was illegal you know what i mean and in order to get an insanity defense to pass you have to basically be unable to tell the the right or wrong of your actions at the time of the commission of the crime or and or know that not know if it's that it's illegal and in both cases in uh for lee you can look at it and and know he knows that it's not right, right. You know he may, he may be a hundred percent convinced that he doesn't have much of a choice, right, from his perspective. But he knows it's wrong, and he oh my god, he knows it's illegal, you know. So you know, I mean, it's 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 hard to look at somebody in that stage and say you know, well, they just they weren't culpable for what they were doing. They didn't have any control, because that's not true.
0: Right, but yeah, same thing with him. He really believed that the voice of God was telling him, you know, that he had to take care of this. The voice God told Lee to get on the bus, sit next to Tim McLean and kill him. A voice of God told him that McLean was a force of evil and was about to execute him, you know? So he believed his act Mm -hmm. was protecting himself response to that state and panic exactly. appear for his life. He carried out. but
1: yeah. yeah, him or me. That's what it came down to.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me see. Yeah. So the, let me see my, back to my notes. So following the attack Greyhound bus announced, here's where it gets crazy. And I didn't know about this. After the week following the attack Greyhound bus, they had an ad out. That said,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you, you, the reason you've never heard of bus rage, he said. The week following the attack, Greyhound at Canada announced that it's pulling a series of nationwide ads, which includes the line, "There's no re- There's a reason why you've never heard of bus rage."
1: Oh God! Yeah,
0: pulled it right away. There's big signs all over the place. Incident that had led numerous calls and petitions demanding increased security on buses. Yeah. So yeah, they pulled that up. And here's why I'm going to add this, which what I think is crazy. Some of these different organizations who's always got better two cents in PETA actually had something to say about this case right here, too.
1: I'm sorry. What?
0: Uh, after the incident, people from the Ethical Treatment of Animals sent an advertisement to the Porter's Daily Graphic comparing the murder of Tim McLean to the killing of animals for food. This ad, of course, was rejected by the by the paper. PETA was harshly criticized for attempting to explore the innocent in which a manner but refused to apologize.
1: Of course, they didn't apologize. It's mm-hmm. PETA. And Come then, at me, Pete. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. And then after that, <laughs> the family of Tim McLean had bought a lawsuit for 150000 against Greyhound and the Attorney General of Canada and Winnipeg. But that was rejected because they have some kind of policy a free ride policy, and everything where they're not responsible mm. for that.
1: Okay, okay. And on June 3rd,
0: 2020, Lee was here's okay. Here's where it starts getting really crazy. You ready? You're gonna get your rage on. On uh, June 3rd, it. 2010, Lee was granted supervised outdoor walks within his mental health facility, as voted by the provincal pres- by the board. So he gets to walk outside. Mm-hmm. So, on February 16, 2011, okay. two passengers, Deborah Tucker of Port, you know, and Kella Shaw of London, filed a lawsuit against Vince Lee Greyhound and RCMP and the government of Canada being exposed to horrific beheading. They are each seeking $3 million. I couldn't find if they got that or not, but they're seeking money against them. I'm assuming yeah. they did it if Tim McClain's family didn't get it. Right. So, on May 30th, 2011, CBC reported that Lee was responding well to a psychotic treatment, and that his doctor had re- recommended that he receives more freedoms and phases over several months. So they're trying to work him back in society. They okay. give him freedoms. Mm-hmm. And this is a timeline I'm going through right now. If you're not sure. Uh, May 17, 2012, the National Board posted, reported that Lee had been granted temporary passes that would allow him out of the Mental health center for visits to the town of Selkirk, supervised by a nurse and peace officer. In an interview, Lee spoke for the first time, saying that he began hearing the voice of God in 2004 and he wanted to save the people from alien attacks. But he's letting you see, that's yeah,
1: concerning. It's It's concerning,
0: yeah. And on February 27th, CBC reported that March 6th, Lee would. Would be allowed to have unsupervised, unsupervised visits to Sucker starting at 30 minutes and expand to full day trips. Since 2013, he had been allowed to have supervised visits in Lock Park, Winnipeg, and nearby beaches. The, the, those visits were, but now he's unsupervised visits. So, but then only like 30 minutes to so an hour.
1: Okay. But they wanted to work up to full days.
0: Yeah. But on February 27th, CBC reported that March Lee would be allowed to have unsupervised visits to our service. July 17th, Toronto Sun reported to here, another victim of this. The Toronto Sun reported that one of the first officers on the scene, Corporal Ken Barker of the RCMP, had committed suicide. The family stated in his obituary that he was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, which is something I hear you talk a lot about, matter of fact.
1: Yes, I do. And that was something that occurred to me with the the individuals who were witnessing all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of thing that doesn't go away. And one of the things that people don't understand about PTSD and how it's different from, say, anxiety, uh, depression, panic disorder, things like that, you can have anxiety, you can have bouts of depression, you can have these things, but it literally reshapes your brain. Mm-hmm. in key ways um and it kind of shrinks your frontal lobe in in ways um and so it really does become like a biologically grounded thing at that point in time um it's that it has that huge an impact
0: right on I'm, a
1: person yeah
0: i'm glad you said about the frontal lobe because i'm going to talk about something about the frontal lobe when i was talking about youth brain activity it's something that i learned mm-hmm. while I was researching this because it I when I first told you about those, bringing me through different, you know, wormholes to hear uh, sure. mental illness stuff like that. I'm not gonna go too. Like I said, we could be here talking forever about that, but I do oh, want to bring sure. this up, which is kind of interesting. So, like I said, then February 27 reported that Lee was given unsupervised pa- day passes. So now it's day passes to visit Winnipeg, so long as he carried a functional cell phone while using while on there. So he has to have a cell phone with him. Uh, May 8, 2015. News reports that CA Lee had been granted passage to group homes in the community. So now he's staying outside of the hospital. February, 2016, there was Porter Lee had legally changed his name to Will Baker and was seeking to leave his group home. So that's where he's in a group home now. I'm sorry, I I said that wrong. Group home to leave independently where he won, won the right to live alone on February 26th. So he is free.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what scares me, because you can look at so many cases um, and not even dangerous people, but so many cases of people who suffer from schizophrenia, especially of the paranoid type, who do well on medication and become Mm -hmm. functional and are cognizant of what's going on. And so many of them, like uh, with other disorders, too, they think, "Okay, I'm better. And they stop taking meds.
0: Right, that's, that's like what he did before when he was diagnosed with the schizophrenia and he couldn't right. take the meds and that's what led to this. And I'm sorry, the February 26th he was recommended to the criminal, that's when he was recommended, but on February 10th, 2017, the Manitoba Criminal Code Review Board ordered Lee be discharged. Lee was granted an absolute discharge. This will be no legal obligations or restrictions pertaining to Lee's independent living. So there he, he is free to go. Nine years after Poor Tim McClain was trying to start his life over right? You know, after 22 years when he died. Ended, and, you know, the poor police officer with his push traumaticism ended. A lot of people with, like I said, mental problems. And in fact, mm-hmm. they had you know, interviews with his um, his mother at the time mm-hmm. who said that day her world ended. In fact, she had made interviews that she was mad at everybody because she couldn't understand why they could, their life got continued get to keep going her life ended that day. Yeah.
1: So yeah, two thousand
0: eight he two thousand fifteen. Like I said, you should if anybody listen to this if you want to hear a, a really good rage rant, go to True Crime Island. I don't know what episode mm-hmm. it is. It's Tim McLean and it's 30 minutes, but man, he loses this shit. You know how Cam was oh, yeah. <laughs> is-
1: I mean and, and like I said though earlier, there are no winners here because even Lee is <sighs> somebody should have seen something. Somebody should have noticed the sign. Somebody should have gotten him help earlier. Right. Um, you know, and, and when you have these cases, it was very similar in the chase case that I keep bringing up. He was in a psychiatric institution and he was like, for most of the time he was there, he would catch birds, pigeons and things, mm-hmm. and he would bite their heads off and drink their blood like this is not a guy who's functioning, right? And then the head psychiatrist um decided that they needed to make room for more severe patients.
0: Right. Got rid of So them. they
1: discharged him against, I mean, the orderlies, the nurses, everyone there was like, this is a mistake. Don't let him go. Don't let him go. So he's discharged. Yes, he has medications that he's supposed to take, but he's all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute. I, I was able to communicate so clearly with the UFOs, and now I can't hear it. They're trying to dampen that, so right. I've got to stop taking this medication so that I can hear what's going on. Because otherwise, they're going to keep poisoning me.
0: Right, they're going to get me. I've heard a lot of cases like about that. They think that they're being they're, they're you know, I'm getting tongue tight here. Well, they're giving a medication to keep from seeing what's really going on like them so they quit right. the medication. We bring somebody that's what I worry worries me about Lee. Here is that yep. he might take the medication and feel like he's I'm fine now, I'm good now, and right. then right back to God's talking to him and whatnot,
1: right? And I mean, he may have true remorse when he's in a, a state he, of clarity, right? You know, um, and that's just a very, very sad thing, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, but yeah, what happens. What happens right. if he stops taking his meds? I mean, schizophrenia can, in some cases, lessen as you get older, but there's no guarantee of that. Right. You
0: and and what I was talking to you about, you know, the mental illness and stuff like that, and I saw how mm-hmm. Canada's laws about how to get off with, and I started thinking about, because I've done some juvenile justice kids. You know, we were talking about the frontal lobe, and I was mm-hmm. curious about how, because this is a, like a mental thing with schizophrenia, right? You said mm-hmm. the frontal lobe. And I was curious, and it's something that I've always wondered about, when does the brain start developing? And I came up with this, was it doesn't matter how smart teens are or how they are scored on AT SAT or ACT, good j- judgment isn't something that can excel in, at least not yet. The rational, right. this is all from University of Rochester Medical Center. This is not from mm. Wikipedia or some right. crazy right. pages from a university. university. The rational part of the brain Teen's brain isn't fully developed and won't be until age 25 or so. In fact, recent research has found that adult and teen brains work differently. Adults think with their Um, prefrontal. Prefrontal? Yeah, cortex. The brain's national part. This part of the brain that responds to situations with good judgment and awareness and long-term consequences. Team processes information with the agenda. This is emotional part. So you think that maybe schizophrenia has something to do with that or maybe affects it? I don't know.
1: I mean, it's hard to know because things like schizophrenia, the onset is typically no earlier than say 19 um, and usually is fully manifested in somebody by about 22, mm-hmm. um, you know, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's interesting because um, during, one of the things that's really fascinating about this is during that 25 to 26 years of life where the brain is developing 85% of core brain function is established by age three. Mm -hmm. And by age five, it's up to 95%. So we've got 5% of hardwiring left to do from that point. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I think is really fascinating is that during those first 25 years of life, like when an infant um, is born, the mother has what the child needs to survive. And once a child has fully formed mentally, they then can can um, contain the stem cells that can heal the mother if anything right. goes wrong with the mother. Okay. And so it's almost a swapping of, like, the ability to care for one or the okay. other, which I think is pretty the fucking whole cool. Life,
0: yeah, his whole life is interesting. <laughs> yeah. It,
1: it's like, so until this person is prepared to take care of themselves fully, um, then they are the mother can take care of them. And then once that child is fully mature, they contain the s- stem cells that would heal the mother. I think, okay. unless they have that backwards. You know what? I we'll don't know. I'll okay. tell you next time. <laughs>
0: right. But yeah, that's <laughs> one of the reasons why, I didn't just bring that up for the brain activity, mm-hmm. but one of the reasons why we are really bringing me down the alleyway about this, because the way that we as a society, society treat, you know, mental illness, child development, because a lot of people, I've t- Tennessee's laws for a death penalty is 12. Mm-hmm. That that's like thirteen years before. Am I doing the math right? Yeah, thirteen years before the brain. And they're saying this child knows what he's doing, and yeah. if he was mental illness, they know they should know what they're doing is right or wrong. But with your mind it ain't developed or not not right. And they, as matter of fact, you just covered a case.
1: Um, yes. With about
0: the well, no, it's about um Chris Benoit. If, like, yeah talking about brain disorders or things like that ct and yeah right mm-hmm. where his brain looked like he had Alzheimer's disease
1: yeah and, and like he did they said the damage to his brain looked like he had been in over a dozen high-speed right. car crashes right. I mean wow
0: in fact that's a perfect case to come to my conclusion but what we're talking about like that people don't really look at what he with his mind went through they just look at it. he killed his family he killed himself he's an mm-hmm. evil monster but a lot of people were like, "Well, he he did to himself." But you got to figure in the wrestling world at the time, is before you used to have territories, and in right. eighty one, eighty two, Vince McMahon had started buying out all the territories, so mm-hmm. he started monopolizing it. So a lot of people say, "Well, he didn't have to do that." But if that's what you know to do, you he really had to really show that like he had flying headbutts, he stuff like that. It was either that or be out of the job. So it was either right. so by doing that and. WWE has gotten a lot better since then. They start doing a lot, you know, time off and stuff like that. Because like I said sure. before the territories, well, the territories, if you weren't doing even one territory, you could go to another one. But once you start buying them all out, you either work for me and do, you know, impress me or you're mm-hmm. out of the job. So, and, and the more the steroids, you know, take, you got to be small, bigger. That's why if you watch wrestling then, but a lot of people look at that, like, well, he's just a monster. He killed, but they're not looking what he had to do he was going through his mind and what well, he didn't have to do that. Well, then he couldn't take care of his family. This is what he was trained to do. And a lot right. of people look like with Vince Lee and, and I find myself guilty on this too, because I see what he did to poor Tim McLean. But on the other hand, mm-hmm. I want to say, well, he does have, you know, with his mental, maybe that was, he maybe wasn't, you know, thinking right at the time. And the right. same thing with juveniles where their mind is not developed. And People like how he's just monster. They just see the act, not the, same, right. the whole scenario.
1: Well, and I just recently covered a case, too, that is real rough. Um, the case of uh, James Bulger, the two-year-old who was killed by two 10-year-olds. I and, know that, I yeah, know that And I did it in two parts. And the very first part of it was about the home lives and upbringing of Robert uh, okay. Thompson and John Venables. And the reason for that is I wanted to highlight the fact that you can be both a victim and a perpetrator. Um, and that's a hard pill mm-hmm. for a lot of people to swallow, but right. Vince Lee was not, he didn't have a history of being hateful, right? you know, he, he was under extreme duress because of his mental illness and it doesn't necessarily take away the fact that he made a choice, but you know, it's hard to know how palpable that fear was. Right. And when you are in a survival situation, we'd all love to think that we're going to take that bullet for somebody. But the fact right. is, is the vast majority of us don't have a clue until we're in that situation.
0: Right, right, right. Oh. And, and of course we have a will to survive and we're going to do whatever it takes. And I'm, I'm happy you said it. Cause I tell a lot of people say, if I won the lotto, I would do this. I was like, no, you won't. You don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You go, you, you, how much money have you ever had at one time? You never know. You're going to turn into a greedy monster. You're going to think everybody's just begging you for your money. You don't know. You don't know right. what you're going to do. But Anyhow, uh, we've been blabbing for so long now. Not that, <laughs> not that I don't mind joining talking. to you do, t- though. <laughs> I know it is, but people ain't going to listen to no three-hour episode.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's true. That's you know,
0: true. <laughs> and I refuse to do. I might. I'm thinking about next year. And I'm really mm-hmm. thinking about this about doing a four parter on the West Memphis Three. Oh. And in yeah. May, I'm having made up my mind, but I wanna do it in parts. I'm gonna do a yeah. parts about the, the family, Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, mm-hmm. do that, and then I'm gonna do the case, then the mm-hmm. trial then you know, like a four parter I'm gonna cover all the cases, but I haven't really made my yeah. mind up. Sure. But you not that I want to talk to you, but like I said, we'll be here forever just blabbing because I know I it. this and this and this, and <laughs> right. But anyhow, where can they find you and what's your name and where you're at, and all that good stuff? All
1: right, all right. <laughs> okay, so I'm Ariel Cooksey, I'm the host of Malice. You can find me um, by email at malicepod at gmail.com on Instagram at malicepod, on Twitter at malicepodcast. Um, I'm now on TikTok. If you want to look me up, um, if you enjoy zero content, um, then I'm a great one to follow. Because
0: I tried to look I, you up, I couldn't find you. What's your what's what's your address? What do you look under?
1: I don't know. So I'll have to figure that out.
0: <laughs> Send me the link, I'll put it in the notes.
1: Okay. Look, guys, TikTok is for younger people than myself. Yeah. I'll figure it out, I promise. Yeah. Um yeah, so pretty much everywhere. And okay. then um, come January, when I launch my second or my fourth season, I'm actually going to have a website that launches too. And that'll have all those links there. Awesome. Yeah. And
0: you know where I'm, Truck Stop Murder. I have a Facebook page called Truck Stop Murder. Everything's pretty much Truck Stop Murder besides Twitter is mur- Truck Murder. So, yep. and my email is truckstopmurder@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And I do have a Patreon and a Gmail if you want to support me from a dollar to $10. You can hit me up on Patreon or if you just want to throw me a couple bucks on PayPal, trucks.murder at gmail.com.
1: Anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I think for now we're good to go.
0: All right. And as I always say, you can't fix stupid, but you can sure numb it with a two by four. And hopefully you hear more of Ariel on this. We're
1: out here. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it.
0: I'm sorry. (laughs) We're in. I said,
1: I'm looking forward to it.